In the name of the risen Christ, amen. Well, did you catch it in the scripture today? Did you see the very subtle reference to infant baptism? A few of you are laughing, and I assume that you must be our esteemed EFM graduates. But in the text, at the end of the reading in Acts, it says that Lydia and her household were baptized. And when we are in discussions with our siblings in Christ from other denominations, and we debate our various ways of practicing baptism, sometimes they want from us a biblical reference, a scriptural citation, and they ask us, where in the Bible was an infant or child ever baptized? And with the pressure on, we turn to this passage in Acts about Paul's missionary work expanding to Europe and his encounter with Lydia, and it says that her whole household was baptized by Paul. And then we take that story and we assume, we read into it an inference that if there was a household, there must be children, and therefore Paul must have also baptized the children. It's a bit of a stretch, if you ask me. And it doesn't leave us feeling too confident when our siblings in Christ offer their view and their scriptural citation of adult baptism. Because with adult baptism, where do you go? Well, Jesus. It's a pretty strong argument right out of the gate. And Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. It's getting stronger, and if you need more direct reference, you have the dove, the Holy Spirit, descending upon Jesus, and the skies opening up, and the voice of God heard by crowds. Yes, there's crowds of witnesses for Jesus' baptism, and they all hear the voice of God say, this is my son, my beloved. When we're thinking about baptism, you think about Lydia and the household, or this Jesus' baptism, and we are left a little confused, a little wanting. So I wanted to spend some time with Lydia and her household and reflect about what a household baptism means. Even though we don't have any baptisms happening today, in case you're wondering. But there might be. If anyone feels the moving of the Spirit, Reverend Stephen's ready to go. We got the book, the water's in the back, we can do it. Reverend Rachel's not here. She doesn't have to know. <laughs> Any take it? You have till the end of the sermon to decide. We always do it after the sermon. We will have three baptisms in three weeks. And in fact, today is the first Sunday that we begin praying for the baptismal candidates, and their names are printed in your bulletin in the list of prayers. So I invite you to take home the bulletin and pray through that list of people that we pray for, including, starting this week, the names of the candidates for baptism, their families, and their godparents. As good Episcopalians, we know that when we celebrate baptism, we don't hear an invocation of Lydia and her household. We see baptismal imagery 
streaming throughout Scripture. We might look back to the Exodus, God's liberation of Israel from the house of slavery. It's a good place to draw on if we're looking for a way to identify ourselves as God's baptized people. After all, it's how God self-identifies. God does not give us a name for us to call God by, but God does identify God's self saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. That is our identity and our relationship. And we may remember whether you're a generation that remembers the Charlton Heston Ten Commandments or you're the Prince of Egypt generation, you'll remember how the waters were separated and become giant walls that tower over the whole nation of Israel as it leaves and is liberated from Egypt. And those waters are baptismal waters, are they not, as the Israelites are delivered to liberation in a land flowing of milk and honey. Perhaps I remember the waters that rose up and Noah and his family in the ark are kept safe. And then after 40 days, as the waters recede, a dove brings a sprig of a fig leaf a symbol that Noah witnesses of God's hope for humanity and new life that emerges from baptismal waters. We can keep going back, all the way back. Let's go back to creation and remember those waters of creation that were chaotic, turbulent, murky waters. And God reaches into those waters and pulls out land separating the waters of creation. And from that land forms man, forms Adam, our common ancestor. And in that shared heritage, we have been baptized from the waters of creation as God draws us out of those murky waters, those chaotic waters, and makes man and makes us and all of humanity and baptizes us, calling us and all of creation good. These are the stories, the images of baptisms that we invoke when we baptize and celebrate our baptisms here in the church. And with this understanding of baptism as God's ongoing, in-breaking spirit and love into the world, we can return to this story of baptism in today's scripture about Lydia and her whole household being baptized. Now when we read household, we should not think of household as the 1950s Americana Ward in June, 2.5 kids and two Detroit gas guzzlers in the garage. That's not what household means in first century Greece. Here household is a cottage industry. Lydia is the head of a household, but she's also a notable businesswoman, a dealer of purple cloth, which is a fine luxury item. She's a shrewd businesswoman. She knows how to hire workmen and artisans, craftsmen. And she knows how to deal with clients and customers who come in, and she creates a whole community, community that's sharing their life together in this household. That's the image of household. We may even remember that household in the Greek is also the root word of economy. So we can think about Lydia as she deals with 
her customers and employees and people coming and going out of her household, that it's not just about family, but about her whole life and every aspect that she has of it, in every way that she deals with someone in her life. That is what is baptized in today's story. This reframing of baptism means that baptism is more than just for babies. Every aspect of our economy is baptized with the love of God. Each person in every role that you have, you bring your baptism to that. And we believe that baptism is a sacrament and that through the sacrament of baptism, you, you have experienced an ontological shift. It's a fancy word that means something has changed in you. You are consecrated in your baptism to be a symbol. You have become the flesh embodiment of God's love in the world. You are that representation and that symbol of God's love. That's what happens when you become baptized. And it's not just when you're a little baby and you're dressed in white and you're really cute and you cry, but you carry that baptism with you all throughout your life as you begin transitioning, as you grow older, as you become a student, as you become career-focused, as you retire, whether you're single or partnered or widowed, every status, every role that you embody, you embody with that baptismal shift, transition that has happened into your life. In each of those roles, you you are the very nexus, the locus, the entry point of the Spirit of God that breaks into the world. You are the person that shows the love of God to your community and your world. So what does that mean? What do you do as a symbol of God's love? You prevail there's this wonderful sentence at the end of today's reading that Lydia prevailed upon Paul. Don't let it go by. Let's remember who Paul is. Some of you might have certain opinions about Paul, that he's hard-headed, a bit stubborn. He's infamously type A. Paul's known as a fierce litigator, arguing and setting forth bold, brash claims. And Lydia prevails upon him. Lydia becomes the domineering, fierce voice that directs Paul and calls him into community. It's not just an invitation to stay at her house to put him up, as good hospitality would indicate. She calls on him to come, be with us, stay with us, pray with us, continue in the teaching with us, continue to shape and influence our household so that we can become what you are, this Christian community, this love of God in the world. And Lydia, through that prevailing, through that urgent, compelling persuasion, insists and demands that Paul stays there, and her household becomes the foothold for God's mission into the European continent. And Lydia is often regarded as the first European convert. So what about us? 
Our baptism similarly moves us, prevails upon us to take action, to use our gifts, to have those gifts be transformed by the Spirit so that the Spirit can enter our lives and our community. What's your role right now? I'm certain that it has changed since you were baptized. The newly baptized are usually new in a church community. Some of you have been here for decades, for generations. Some of you are new. We welcome and invite you, each of you, as your role as you take on new activities and ministries, as you form new relationships and communities within this church. Each one of those roles is a place where God can break in to the world through your baptism each place that you find yourself, each role that you find yourself, each age that you find yourself in, those places become God's point of entry into the world. On Pentecost, we will welcome three new members to our community here, three new believers, three new members of our church family, and we'll also renew our own baptismal vows. During that ritual, we are asked as a community six questions about how we continue to believe and practice breaking bread and prayer with one another, how we resist evil and persevere in faith. We're asked questions about how we will strive for justice and seek and serve Christ and all people and fight for the dignity of every person. We're also asked how we will support the newly baptized with all of our power. These are questions that are good discernment tools as we think about where our baptismal call is prevailing upon us on this place and in this time. How are we doing each of those things? If you're not baptized, this is still a good discernment exercise. I invite you to join us. Recalling that Lydia is already at work using her gifts to grow the kingdom of God as she gathers with other women by the river to pray. And that community that she has created becomes the place where Paul comes and takes his seat as a teacher and rabbi. If you're not baptized but you are wondering about next steps, please come talk with any of the clergy you can pull us aside or email us at any time. We'd be happy to come and be discernment partners with you. Baptism, it's not just about babies anymore. It's about all of us recognizing that you yourself are a symbol of God's love in this world and each one of us is as well. And the imagery of household baptism reminds us and calls us into an idea of baptism that includes our whole household. And in God's kingdom, there's a place for everyone, every role, every person. There's a place for you. Amen.